Hello everyone, just a quick disclaimer before the start of the podcast. Me and Maddie do not speak for Petco, PetSmart, Zookeepers, or any other retail pet supply store. We are both two individuals just trying to have fun in our free time, so companies, please don't sue us. Also, um, I apologize for my uh, audio quality. I uh, was having technical difficulties with my recording equipment, so I opted to use my built-in webcam um, to produce my audio. I will get that fixed, and hopefully the future episodes will be better, but this episode and the next one are going to be using my um, audio from my laptop. Um, But that being said, enjoy the podcast, and uh, we will see y'all again next week. All right, welcome back to episode three now of the Talk About Anything podcast with your hosts, Jackson and Maddie, and our friend, Sierra, who is joining us today. Hi, guys. (laughs) So I am actually prepared for once because me and Maddie made a doc. So let me go ahead and pull that up real quick. Yeah. Sierra, do you want to introduce yourself a little bit? Yeah, for sure. Um, So hi, everybody. I am Sierra Montgomery. Um, I have worked with kind of a pretty wide range of animals, um, mainly um, exotic reptiles, but I have worked um, with um, a lot of different fish, um, mammals, um, amphibians, birds, all that fun jazz. so I'm, I think I'm just here to kind of talk about um, some of the exotics and kind of give you guys a little bit of a rundown as to care, handling, um, and that sort of stuff. Opinions, controversy. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, all the fun stuff. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I have the first, uh, the first topic that I uh, have here on the list, which is personalities of different fish and reptiles i think that's a pretty interesting (laughs) one okay okay yeah um in all honesty a lot of it kind of depends on the animal you know all animals have kind of different personalities though um different i guess types of animals do kind of categorize themselves within different personalities which is always really cool um Mm -hmm. some of like my favorites are like beta fish I know that's like beta fish is one of those things that you kind of see everywhere you know but and hear about a lot in all honesty they're very popular fish um but I absolutely love them you know they become very personable with their owners you know um they always come up to the front like I'm looking at mine right now and she's just looking at me like I'm gonna give me treats now (laughs) Um, right there with you I know I, I love my guys you know um, and I've had a lot of different animals you know from um, dogs to fish to monitors to you know um, snakes exotic or exotic <laughs> excuse me venomous and non-venomous you know um, but in all honesty I've kind of become a fish person <laughs> Wow, that's so interesting. <laughs> I didn't know that. Like, out of everything that you have, the betas would mm-hmm. be your favorite. But th- honestly, that's mm-hmm. really nice to know because I love betas so much. <laughs> and whenever anyone comes into our store, I'm always like, 
Are you going to get a beta? <laughs> oh, There's, yeah. I don't know if you remember this person. I don't know if she started shopping here when you worked there. But at work, mm -hmm. there's this lady that comes in or not. She's like a kid, but she comes in and she always gets the betas that she sees are struggling so she can help oh. them. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yes. Me and her have had so many different conversations and we give each other tips all the time. Um, and she's just so much fun. And she always when I used to work there, she would come in and just be like, hey, so what's the saddest beta today? <laughs> 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 oh it was so cool and there were actually times when I um recovered uh, I'd used to do the same thing I would take home like some of the sick betas nurse them back to health and um bring them back in and kind of just give them to good homes you know um and there were a few times where I brought betas back and she was like oh my gosh and I told her the story behind them and she took them home it was so Aww. cool it was so fun yeah she was awesome um but yeah she was a young fish enthusiast and it was it was really cool it was really cool to talk to her and kind of like share my passion I guess <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm not gonna lie when I first met her I was a little like nervous as her, her questioning because she came up to me and I hadn't really known her like as a customer at all yet so she walks up to me and she's like what's what's the fish you have that are struggling the most like which ones are dying and need help I'm mm -hmm. like is she with is she working for someone are we gonna get fired if I answer wrong what, what's going on here <laughs> yeah uh, no yeah no I was yeah. the same way at first you know yeah. uh, but she honestly is just she's really sweet and she'll she's one of those people that's just super passionate you know yeah. about fish and animals in general and but yeah, I was the same way at first. Yeah. I was like, oh no, like, am I going to get in trouble if I say anything? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's always sad when you see betas come in though, because like they don't always come in in the best shape. And then we always end up having to like help them get better or like we have to find mm -hmm. something else. And it's like, it's always sad when the betas come in, but it's nice to have people like that that will come into our store and just pick out the bad ones and then make them get better or, or try and give them uh, easier life for for whatever they have left oh yeah for sure it's always cool when people want to try and like nurse these animals you know um, yeah especially like fish fish are, are a little bit difficult in all honesty they can uh, they're very sensitive I guess is the best word they can be very sensitive at times um but it is a very rewarding thing to be able to like nurse these animals and then have them get better and then give them that new home, you know? So it's a very rewarding thing. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. I, I remember Preston used to tell me a lot about when I, when I was learning about fish, a lot like from him, the way that he always mm -hmm. explained like fish to me was like, as like science, like actual chemistry and it made the most it, sense. Absolutely. And it really is like, between like the pH, the salinity within the water, you know, um, and all of that crazy stuff, ammonia, um, nitrate, nitrite, phosphates, all of that crazy stuff. Um, it really is a big science experiment, you know, <laughs> it's really cool though. I, I find it interesting. Yeah, definitely. It, it's, it's really, 
when I when I learned that of like about fish tanks, like that's how I started like telling customers is like it's like a chemistry set because not a lot of people understand that like there's all those chemicals. They think it's as simple as just buying the tank, but there's like nitrates, nitrites, water hardness, alkalinity, pH. Mm-hmm. Nitrate, nitrite, phosphate, yeah. ammonia. You know. Yeah. Um, and it's it's pretty difficult. It really is its own little ecosystem, you know, um, it is a natural ecosystem. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, it, it, and it's not for everybody, you know, like it, some people have a little bit harder time with it. Um, but once you kind of get it right, it's really easy to keep it going. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I would totally agree with that. (laughs) (laughs) What about you guys? What are some of your favorite like animals in general and whether it be fish reptiles mammals kind uh, of any, anything that I can get my hands on <laughs> <laughs> oh man yes heck yeah, yeah. I um that. I adore pretty much all animals I've always been a huge okay. animal person like even if they look really weird and disgusting to most people <laughs> I will find a way to like look at the bright side of things and be like oh no they're cute like hairless Mm -hmm. rats and other like hairless animals most people turn up their nose but I'm like no they're actually kind of cute look at their big eyes (laughs) I'll remember that next time we get a spider (laughs) (laughs) I mean I do like certain species of spiders when they're not trying to kill me (laughs) that's fair that's fair Oh yeah. No, I, I remember working there. I love the spiders. I was always, Jackson, do you remember all the times we would get spiders in and you'd be like, nope, Sierra. <laughs> yup. Yup. Every goddamn time I would be like, I'd see, I'd see it come in on the PO before I'd even open the box. And I'd be like, Sierra, spiders. Yeah. <laughs> Man. Now some of them were pretty mean but some of them came in they were pretty cool I would walk around with them like on my shirt and stuff and like there was one time somebody came up and was like that's a cool brooch and I'm like um not really a brooch and then it moved and they were like whoop (laughs) 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 totally got spooked by it and I was like nah she's super sweet um but yeah animal yeah it's just funny to like different animals you know just have different personalities and that's kind of what I love about it is their their own little beings you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah oh for me my my best moments have been always getting animals and and receiving receiving animals just in general has always been like the best moments because like you lately we haven't been ordering animals so we kind of get whatever which is both kind of a good and a bad thing. But every now and again, we get like actually really cool reptiles. Like we, last time we actually got an assorted group of Pac-Man frogs where normally we just get the regulars. We got like a strawberry and albino and a fancy. chocolate. Oh, and a chocolate. chocolate. Uh, Yeah, we got a chocolate, we got a green and we got a strawberry. Dang, you guys really got a mystery box. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, chocolate is my favorite. I called it pudding. Because uh, I name every single animal that comes into our store because I, I can't stop myself. Jen hates Aww. it. But um, <laughs> no, yeah. it's good. 
good. You know, that's good. It shows customers though, too, that like you care, you know what yeah. I mean? And that's kind of makes all the difference with people is like that you care and like that you want to see these animals go to good homes, that's, you know? That's what I wish people like kind of, I feel like a lot of people that come into our pet codes don't see the animal care aspect of it. I think a lot of people think Petco's and PetSmart's, well, maybe PetSmart is, is like that. I don't know, but for Petco, like I don't you remember that vet that came in and got really mad at us because she thought we weren't taking care of our animals mm -hmm. yeah I get a lot of people oh, yeah. like that but like we try we do mm -hmm. and yeah. uh naming the but it's animals. also like mm -hmm. oh sorry yeah, go ahead. that's oh no, no 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 I'm sorry I didn't mean to interrupt oh um, no you're you fine go ahead and... okay but... sorry <laughs> no yeah you're fine also like partially like people like different vets specialize in different animals and sometimes they don't I, I don't know sometimes it's a little bit of like ignorance because I remember one time people like started complaining that like um oh what was it didn't have water the um it was like the beardies or the leopard geckos didn't have water like in their exhibit um and there were reasons for that right because like humidity you don't want it to be too too humid because then they can get respiratory issues you know they're in smaller enclosures which means water that you put in there will turn into humidity and such and a lot of reptiles get their water not from drinking water but from the food that they consume mm -hmm. that's how they get the majority of their water so there's not really necessarily um a super big reason to have water in there enclosures um and so people I remember would come and complain and then they got reported and then they started getting um like notices and stuff saying that they needed to put water in their enclosures and then they started putting water in their enclosures and they started getting respiratory issues because it was too humid and such so some of those things um is kind of for especially like people who don't know necessarily reptiles will look in an enclosure and be like well it needs this this and this and then somebody who does have a little bit of background um, or knowledge for that particular animal will like see it completely differently yeah you know that's, that's why i notice about planograms and stuff or like the, like the for stores and this isn't just like a this isn't just one pet store. This is like all pet stores. I notice this anytime I go into a pet store. I mean, even zookeepers, they have planograms. But zookeepers is different. They know what they're doing. But for a lot of <laughs> pet stores, you know, they'll have um, they'll have like basically a map of what the enclosure has to look like. But that what the enclosure has to look like by that company's standards is not at all usually what the reptile habitat is supposed to be. Like, um, for an example, like a store will say that it needs to be on sand, even if the, the reptile is um, not a sand sifter, like leopard geckos, for example, they have really terrible aims, so they're going to get impacted if they get any in their mouth, seems with bearded dragons, but not a lot of people know that they just see, you know, reptiles and associate them with sand, so they put them on that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, bearded dragons, while they are more of a desert species, they come from the Australian desert, not like that more yeah. like most people, when they think of a desert, they think of sand dunes, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. A lot of sand, not a lot of vegetation, but like deserts in Australia actually do have quite a, quite a wide variety 
of um, vegetations and it, they're more rocky in, um, in general. They're more rocky. They're not as quite as sandy. Um, so it, 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 a lot of like reptile experts um, will have a lot of different things to say than like somebody or <laughs> something that you're seeing on the internet. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and it's always good to do research. Um, you know what I mean? But also talk, one of the best things you can do, like when wanting to get any animal right, is to do research, talk to people who have previously owned them and kind of find a system that works for you. You know what I mean? Um, and it's kind of just that due diligence, you know, yeah. research where they're from, kind of like their natural habitat. And then you can kind of try and recreate it from there. Yeah. You know, so. I can definitely attest to uh, Australia being uh, not a very sandy place because I used to live in the Red Center. Um, oh, wow. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the whole time I was there, really, there wasn't that much sand blowing around. It was mostly just fires and most of the, the landscape was so baked into the ground that it wouldn't move all that much. And it was very rocky. Mm-hmm. So yeah. any beardies that we would see on like the road and all of that, they would never have impaction problems because they weren't consuming all of that sand because there's so little of it, even exactly. in the red center. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You know, um, and yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Uh, but it's... Um, but like I said, you know, it, it's, it's always good to do your due diligence before like getting an, an animal, you know? Um, mm -hmm. Now I will say like, if you are having like problems with impaction, um, sometimes they're not on like the right form of sand, you know, like, cause you want to have a very specific type of sand, um, which is like easily, um, it'll more easily pass through um, their, um, their body in all honesty if they get it you know in their mouths for whatever reason um and um so like some of the finer sand is easier um and it should be calcified you should have calcified sand um for the specific reason that it doesn't um basically form like a, a tight like ball or like um kind of like a rock in their um digestional tract Mm -hmm. um, when passing through, it mostly just kind of passes through easily. Um, and especially with smaller animals, you want to try and do it finer if you can. Um, and not quite like the thicker, coarser pieces that would say before, like, say, um, a bigger animal, like a Gila monster, you know, or, um, even for some sand vipers and stuff, you know, um, they just kind of require different um, requirements with that as well. Yeah, so that's definitely. another thing to take into consideration. Mm -hmm. If I ever did sand again, I would mix it with other things. Cause I, I know, cause like knowing that, you know, where they come from is really important. And like, with beard, like if you have a bearded dragon, you'd probably want to mix it with some dirt or something to, to compact it down a little bit. And that way it's not as easy for them to get it in their mouth. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the best things to put down for um, like bearded dragons and stuff is honestly like newspaper. 
Yeah. Newspaper is easy. Yeah. It's easy to clean, you know, um, easy to, you just take it out, you know, replace it, um, stuff like that. Or you can do like, um, tiles and stuff. I've seen people do like cool tiles and stuff for the bottom of cages. Um, oh, and while yeah. those are, I know there's some cool stuff out there, honestly. I've, um, I've seen some slate, like people do stuff with slate before and it looks really cool. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and it's, it's so cool. Uh, I personally, I love going onto Pinterest and stuff and looking at all of like the cool enclosures and stuff that people have done. Mm -hmm. Um, there are some who have done like natural biohabitats within their enclosures and it's absolutely incredible. Personally, I love the natural, you know, like the live plants, um, dirt and stuff, um, and like the rocks and sand and stuff on top. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I just think it's, it's super cool. And it basically makes it its own natural habitat, which is personally, I, I prefer like that natural kind of, um, feel. Um, now there are other people out there who, um, don't, um, cause it, it can be a little difficult to kind of <laughs> maintain, you know, yeah. but that kind of goes back to like finding what works for you um, as a, as a pet owner and caretaker, you know, mm -hmm. um, cause there's multiple ways to climb up a mountain, right? Like you can, you could do so many different things, you know, and none of them are necessarily wrong, you know, um, it just kind of depends on what works for you, um, and yeah. your lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So I've been working on a bioactive setup. I just want to make sure that I have everything before I actually commit to it because I'm like, okay, I don't want my, I currently have two leopard geckos and I don't want them to like ingest something that they're not supposed to. So I'm doing a lot of research on different plants that are poisonous and not poisonous to reptiles and. Oh yeah. Different and you can <laughs> Well, luckily, like um, leopard geckos are a little bit easier because they're not really plant eaters. They're, mm -hmm. they're more carnivorous uh, or insectivores, excuse me, um, meaning that they eat mostly insects for their diet, right? Um, mm -hmm. So with them, it's a little bit easier um, to try and find plants and stuff that'll um, easily cohabitate with your animal. Um, it's a little bit more difficult for like um, omnivores or... Um, or things like um, Euromastics or um, bearded dragons, you know, those guys tend to eat more um, on the plant-based side um, and eat bugs. Um, like my beardy, I feed her like 15 to 20 crickets once a week. You know what I mean? Now you can mm -hmm. spread that out and give them like five a day. You know what I mean? Or um, however many, you know, you know, <laughs> however many you want to per every other day or just stuff like that. Um, but, um, with the, with vegetable or with, excuse me, with vegetation, with, um, with more of the omnivorous animals that do eat them, it is a little bit more difficult and you definitely do need to do your research, um, before doing anything like that. But I actually really appreciate that you're wanting to do a bioactive setup. I would love to see how that turns out. Yeah, I'm excited to add like springtails and actually have yeah. the natural cleaners of the tank as well. Oh, that would be amazing. 
see that that stuff is so cool I love doing stuff like that yeah me too biology was always my favorite subject so I'm like oh I want to create a natural ecosystem (laughs) heck yeah that's awesome um oh yeah um honestly the only thing that I've really tried to do like bioactive tanks for like my fish um like my beta fish is in a three and a half gallon tank right now all natural plants you know what I mean there's a little snail in there that eats the yucky algae but Mm -hmm. I it is it's not very often that I actually have to do like maintenance on it you know what I mean like I think it's every like two weeks I replace um part of the filtration system um and then just add water really when necessary I don't usually have to do many um many um big water changes or anything it's mostly just the adding of the water um which is honestly really hard to do with a with a smaller tank I've come to learn um but it's it's been a really fun process throughout the years figuring out you know all of the chemical like the chemical balances within a tank Mm-hmm. Um, or even just within any ecosystem, it, it's a pretty fun process. So, <laughs> yeah, I absolutely love any type of science. So I've been, I, I guess aquatics has kind of grown on me. I went through a period of time where I was very against aquatics because I ended up mm-hmm. killing all of my fish on accident. Yeah. I put a piece of decor in there. And I guess it had something on it and it killed all my fish and I felt really bad. So ever since then, I swore not to get any more fish. (laughs) Girl, uh, tell me about it. Um, My first beta that I had, I would do like 100% water changes and he uh, he ended up passing away within, um, honestly, within about four or five months. And Mm -hmm. I was distraught. I was like, I don't understand like what I did wrong, you know? know and then um, I actually started talking with like real fish people and working um, I actually ended up I worked I used to work at a kind of like a glorified petting zoo for exotic animals Um, and um, I learned so much about like water quality and like balancing the chemicals within the tank water testing you know trying to make a bioactive tank for these animals um and it it it, it's been a it it, I really learned a lot through that process um and it's that was honestly one of the coolest places that I've worked because I worked with a lot of exotic animals from um I worked with giant pacific octopus I worked with ostriches macaws um eclectus parrots I would work with um I worked with porcupines um Oh, what else? Lemurs, kinkajous, sloths. Um, it was it was awesome, and even like the fish, stingrays. You know, the sharks. I would work with um, sh- small sharks. Nothing crazy. No gray whites or nothing. But <laughs> <laughs> um, but it it really was an amazing amazing adventure. Um, and even kangaroos. I worked with some, I actually Dang. helped train some of the kangaroos, the joeys. Yeah. And one of the joeys, he was about, oh gosh, he was about a few inches when he stood up. He was, he was taller than I was. That was a pretty intimidating um, thing to kind of see, but you know, it was, 
it was so much fun being able to train and work with these animals and um, really share some cool knowledge and um, experiences with others. Um, and that's what I do. I was one of those people that would help um, the guests interact with these animals. Um, but it was so, it was so much fun. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> Sounds like it. Yeah, I'm, gen- yeah. I'm really jealous. <laughs> yeah if there was a zoo like nearby that wasn't shit that took care of its animals (laughs) I would work Mm -hmm. there yeah Yeah, me too um and that's kind of where the trouble lies right um and I'm not saying like all places are like this I know that there are good um places out there that really do like take care of and um, really do give their animals the best quality of life that they can. But there are some other places, you know, um, that just, in all honesty, don't. (laughs) You know, um, I've seen some um, pretty difficult things working with animals, you know, um, but that's just, you know, a part of animal keeping. You know, you do the best that you can um for your animals you know it with what you have you know um and it and while it's difficult you know you as a person know that you did everything that you could with everything that you could to help the animals that you could (laughs) so um but a lot of people I don't think quite understand that aspect either you know what I mean yes it's on one side, it is absolutely incredible, absolutely amazing to be able to train, work with, care for these animals. But it's also that flip side where sometimes you do have to make those hard decisions, you know, and do what's best for the animal rather than what's best um, sometimes even for the handlers, you know? Um, And so that's kind of that trade-off, you know? Um, And many animal keepers will tell you the exact same thing. Um, you have to be prepared to sometimes make those difficult decisions um, when caring for those animals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. absolutely. I, it, it's working with animals sometimes. I mean, like, especially with fish, when you want to like give them the best care and sometimes you can't, cause sometimes a fish is like too far gone and you, you don't want to like, you know, watch them suffer anymore. So then you've got to like yeah. take care of them exactly that's that's always the shittiest part of like animal care that that when people go into animal care they don't think of (laughs) no absolutely um that's exactly right you know um and like I said sometimes you just got to make like those hard hard decisions you know and think of what's best for the animal um and sometimes um putting them down sadly is what is best and what'll cause the animal the least amount of suffering yeah mm-hmm. so um but yeah no but most of the time you know or, or hopefully most of the time you know um it doesn't come to that um it's those rare occasions but um sadly it is kind of one of those things that animal handlers do have to know going into caring for you know or when you go into animal care it's one of those things that you want to know yeah but yeah it's it's fun though you know it is a very rewarding 
even through all of that, I can say that I, I wouldn't take back caring for any of the animals that I did, you know, just because yeah. I, I personally, I absolutely love animals. I, I deep, I have a very deep respect um, for animals and um, a lot of um, animal specialists. Um, they have taken years and years to study and um, care for these animals. And it's, it, it truly shows in their work, yeah. you know? Um, but yeah. When, when Preston worked for our store, I had like, I respected the hell out of that man. Like for real. He had like probably like the most like enthusiasm for his work and for his like animals in general. He treated like all those animals in the store like they were his own. Like he was in aquatics every day. He was in reptiles every day. Every day. When, he, when he when he was there, everything looked flawless the way that our DGM even wanted it to look. And then when he left, it, it was like a flip of a switch. <laughs> oh yeah no it, you're right and yeah he, I have a very deep respect for Preston because it's true like he mm. he he put his for his heart and soul into caring for those animals and as an animal care specialist that's what you honestly have to do you know um but yeah no he was he was absolutely incredible in what he did um especially fish he was definitely a fish person um and and especially like the big fish I can't believe he had some of the tanks that he had he'd show me pictures and I would be absolutely astonished um like he had an alligator gar at one point he had like all those cichlids the Oscars oh my gosh that Oscar was as big as a dinner plate <laughs> yeah oh my god you're right like bigger than my head it was insane like and and to be able to care for those animals and um and respect them like he did. I have a very um, deep respect for people that are able to do that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think one of the coolest things about animals is you develop a bond with them. Like, I feel like sometimes oh, yes. I understand or animals understand me more than most people do. And so. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I 100% agree with you. Sorry, I didn't mean to. Oh, no, you're fine. <laughs> My favorite kind of bond is like that love at first sight bond, like with me and Cinnamon or with like you, me and Lena, when, when we would like go up to the glass and Lena would just start bobbing her head up at the door. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes. Or whenever, whenever, like when I came back from my PTO, Cinnamon was like all over me. Like I came up and like she was like hugging my arm and would not let go. And I had to like pull her off so I could go open the store. Yeah. <laughs> Those are like oh, the favorite. See, kinds I am of the bonds. opposite. I love the animals that just honestly do not like me I mean you remember <laughs> when I used to work I would go up to some of those tanks and they would strike at me and I'd be like I will make you love me <laughs> <laughs> those it was those ones like when we had that um leucistic rainbow boa oh yes oh. I remember that we weren't even allowed to sell it it was illegal in our state <laughs> mm -hmm. it was well first off what was was actually illegal was them shipping it to us they were not supposed to ship that to us and then um 
the fact that we shipped it back was even worse. Um, we shouldn't have, <laughs> we shouldn't have done that either, but you know what? You have to do what you got to do. Um, but no, that, oh gosh, I remember when you guys first opened it and you were telling me about it, I was out and then I came back and I remember I just stuck my hand in there. She bit me and I looked at her. I didn't pull away, didn't do nothing, you know? And I just let her like hold on to my finger with her <laughs> mouth. And she just looked at me like, why aren't you being scared? And I'm like, hey, it, you, you didn't even break the skin, <laughs> you know? Um, but no, I love those animals. And, you know, I, I knew from the very get-go when we opened her and I saw like, when I saw pictures of her, um, I was like, you know, I'm not, no hard feelings. You were in a lot of pain. You were scared, you know? Um, and in all honesty, the, how the condition that she came into us in was not good. It was, it was honestly kind of deplorable. Yeah. Um, and you know, I was one of those people that was in there every single day I was holding her. I was making sure she um got all of her medicine uh, making sure she was soaked do you know what i mean even though she she didn't want to even though she kept biting me at the very end of it i was one of the only people that i could actually stick my hand in there and pick her up and she wouldn't do nothing yeah you, you, and, you and preston were the only two people in the store willing and able to to take care of that snake yeah oh yeah well well we were also a little fearless when it came yeah. to it because i i've i've been around reptiles my entire life my dad's a herpetologist right so he's I remember being little and he had like these beautiful like monocle cobras right and they would I remember going and sitting in front of the cage when they'd hood up right and I would just move and it would move you know and it was just <laughs> it was an incredible thing you know now don't get me wrong they were all in locked cages I wasn't like a little three-year-old with unlocked cages or nothing but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um um you know and here there, that kind of goes back to the whole like you gotta make sure that these animals are taken care of and in the right set of equipment <laughs> yeah. you know and you gotta do your research because I like what gives reptile the reptile like a venomous reptile world a bad name are people who will literally get these black mambas right and just so like just to give you a little bit of perspective black mambas are one of the most difficult venomous reptiles to work with they are extremely fast they are extremely smart and they're calculating they will sit there and they will watch you yeah you know um and they're, they're not something to mess around with if you get bit you're you're dead there's no anti-venom like you you can't do anything if you get bit you're you're dead yeah you know <laughs> but it's those people who will get the animals like that put a lid on it and put a brick on it oh, right gosh. yeah like i've heard horror stories or like somebody there was a story in the uh paper it was uh, honestly probably about five or six years ago um, and my dad actually heard about it through his um, contacts, but somebody had a gaboon viper, a baby gaboon viper get mm -hmm. out and they found kids playing with it within the apartment complex. Oh no. Like little kids, like five and six. It was like a five-year-old, I believe, and a 11-year-old. Oh but they were no. Found playing God. with the snake now luckily gaboon vipers are very mild mannered they yeah. don't really 
they, while they are venomous and they are like deadly, they're not very um, aggressive. They're not an aggressive snake. Um, and that was actually one of the first venomous snakes that um, my father allowed me to handle. Um, of course, with supervision, never by myself. Um, but it, it was one of those that like really made people be like, this is why we can't have like people having venomous reptiles. And I'm like, no, we just can't have stupid having doing yeah. that. <laughs> like, you know, don't <coughs> take it seriously because in the end, like these animals are dangerous, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's just the nature of the beast, you know, it's just like getting an ostrich you know you know that they could kill you with a kick but you know you get you get them anyway knowing the like what can happen you know um same with horses you know horses are the number one pet killer like they they will they're the number one animal that kills their owners mm-hmm. you know yeah. um and yet people still get these animals you know yeah um and does that mean that nobody we should outlaw horses? Absolutely not. But mm-hmm. we should like be careful. You know what I mean? As a say, like as a seller of these animals, um, it's your job to kind of gauge if these people can take care of the animal. Mm-hmm. Um, not only like have the correct enclosure for them and like have the will to want to take care of these animals but also that they have kind of a good head on their shoulders, especially if it's a dangerous animal, you know what I mean? And um, kind of just sell wisely. Yeah. You know, Um, like my dad, if there was one time a guy was actually asking my dad, he was like, Hey, can you get me a King Cobra? And he's like, well, what animal, like what venomous reptiles have you worked with? Oh, I've worked with rattlesnakes. Right. Ooh. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to sell you that animal. Yeah. Like yeah. my dad's like, unless you have like actual real experience with the lapids, you know what I mean? And, um, and not just a lapids, but, um, but other, some of the more difficult, um, uh, venomous reptiles, I'm not selling you this animal because not only is it going to give uh, me a bad name, it's going to give the entire reptile world a bad name, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so as like somebody who's in the business of um, handling um, and selling um, venomous reptiles, you just got to kind of, you got to kind of have a good head on your shoulders, you know, and not just kind of sell willy nilly because that's how, you know, things get outlawed and banned, you know? Yeah. So but I feel like that goes for selling any animal, you know, you want to make sure that that animal has a, a good home to go to, you know, you don't want to just sell it willy nilly and um, give it to somebody who, you know, isn't going to have the right enclosure for it or um, do what's necessary to take care of it. Yeah. So at the end of the day, you always have a choice to say no. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's good to remember that because absolutely animals always come first i think that's something mm-hmm. that a lot of people at our store don't understand or maybe not our store but our our, our a lot of stores a lot of pet stores mm-hmm. like when people come in people come into any pet store period they think they can just come in and get a pet and then just leave with it and i think mm-hmm. even a lot of employees think that they're not even allowed to say no 
So a lot of the times that unfortunately is the case, but if you have mm-hmm. that knowledge that you can say no and the ability to tell people no, that that's, that's the best outcome for the animal, honestly. And not a lot of people always say no, unfortunately. Yeah. But you know what? That just kind of goes along with any big incorporation, incorporation, any big corporation, you know, <laughs> um, uh, especially in today's, um, in today's like retail, it, it's, it's very hard for, um, for the employees to say no to customers, you know, yeah. because then they get in trouble, um, because they call corporate and it's this whole big old ordeal and corporate, a lot of the times will side with the customer rather than the employee for doing what's right. Yeah. You know, and that can also put people in a very difficult situation as well to the point where it's like, Oh, either I sell this animal or I get fired from my job. Yeah. Yeah. Also, um, that is, it, it can be difficult in that aspect, but I mean, I've, I've told plenty of people no. when I, <laughs> when I worked at Petco, there was actually somebody who came in and was like, I want to buy that chameleon. And I'm like, well, oh, I remember this. you have like an enclosure for it. Let me go show you these enclosures. He's like, no, I don't have any enclosure. I'll get it later. I don't want to buy it now. I don't want to buy it here. I just want the chameleon. And was being really rude. You know, you obviously knew that he didn't know like what this type of chameleon is because he kept saying that chameleon. He wasn't saying the veiled chameleon or Jackson's chameleon or Panther chameleon or the hundred other types of chameleons that it could be. He was like, I want that one. And I was like, well, do you know what it is? Do you know how big? they get do you know what you need to feed it and he's like no I'll look it up later give me that one and I'm like I'm not going to sell you this animal um and I'm not going to sell you honestly any animal um with that type of attitude you know like and that and that's just a personal choice on my half even if I would have gotten in trouble for it 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 wouldn't have mattered I still wouldn't have sold him the animal you know and I'd have I'd uh gotten into an argument even with my manager if she tried to make me sell it you know just because um the first off the chameleon that he wanted to get was a veiled chameleon they get the size of your forearm and will require um like a diet of 50 plus crickets a day when they get big Mm -hmm. okay um and not only that they require a, a very large enclosure they do when they get older and they get that size they require like four by four by four foot enclosure. And even that's pretty small for a veiled chameleon, Yeah, you know? So it's, it's, um, it's a difficult situation when you do have to say no, but at the end of the day, like you said, the animals come first. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's pretty much my mentality too, is like, if I'm, I can't live in good conscience knowing that I'm endangering my animals, even if they're not my animals, they're my responsibility but they're also living creatures and if i sell them to someone who's going to abuse them or neglect them or just not take care of them the proper way then i won't sleep at night so i will happily tell someone no because that is just better in my mind and if i get if i have to stand there and just watch this person yell at me for five (laughs) minutes I'll take it. (laughs) Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, 
And I mean, there are times when people will do that and you get a tongue lashing from people, from your boss, you know, and, you know, at the end of the day, you're like, I did what's best. So I don't really care. (laughs) Honestly, it's kind of rewarding to say no sometimes because you're like, yeah, I just saved that animal, (coughs) you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, it's funny. You mentioned, uh, you know, I have, I had a similar customer come up and wanted to buy a chameleon but didn't have a habitat for it he came up and he wanted to buy it for his sister and he just mm-hmm. wanted to put it on a little plant that he got from Lowe's no. <laughs> like it was a decoration oh and I, I had to explain to him like an in-depth like care knowledge of how you care for a chameleon and what it needs and after I was done he was just like oh no, never mind. What about this one? And then pointed to a bearded dragon. I was like, yeah, you need an enclosure for that too. But it's funny, a lot of people, a lot of people see animals as a decoration. (laughs) Exactly, you know. Um, And like, I've had people tell me that, and I used to own chameleons, you know, chameleons are not the easiest reptile. They're not, they're very sensitive. And they um literally the one day they'll be fine and the next day they'll be dead (laughs) you know and it could just be even the slightest thing as the temperature was a few degrees off you know um but when I had chameleons I remember I had this plant that I'd take them out and do like that um, interaction time with and Mm -hmm. there was one time I literally walked away for like three minutes and I came back and then I had a freak attack because I couldn't find them and he somehow went from the plant that was on the opposite side of my room all the way to the other side of my room where my orchids were. (laughs) He got to my orchids and I was like, how the heck did you get from one side of the room to the other in like five minutes? (laughs) I only walked out for like a few minutes to go do something and now you're already like over here. you know um and he just looked at me like but they're pretty (laughs) you know um and um they're really not just a decoration yeah you gotta kind of like look at them like they're a child of sorts like they're about Mm -hmm. the same care level as a child maybe a little bit easier because you don't have them a lot of the time for like 18 years some of them only last yeah. like six to seven. Well, that and they're mm-hmm. also not as big as you. So it's like, it's, it's not like they can ever overpower you or something when they get stronger. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, that some of big. them can. <laughs> they, I guess oh, a yeah. monitor. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we, uh, my dad actually used to have this giant monitor that mm. he would literally put a leash on and he'd walk it. <laughs> walk it around like outside and people would look at him like what the heck and there was actually somebody that came up to him and was like that's a funny looking dog <laughs> oh my god <laughs> and he was like yep <laughs> he just like kept going you know um but you know it depending on the animal potentially 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 like it can be but like if you train that animal and you have them from when they're little likelihood is it's not that's not gonna yeah Yeah. do you remember tito 
Oh, yes. Yeah, Tito oh, was my yes. boy. <laughs> he was yes. our boy. He was everyone's boy. He would like come up to the glass and start clawing at it. And then as soon as you would open up, he'd start shooting up your forearm. And he'd turn this bright ass shade of yellow. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. I remember. He was so cool. And he went to such a great home, you know? Yeah. Um, like, for a while I really wanted to take him home I was like I want him I want him I want him like he's like the coolest chameleon he's the friendliest I've ever seen you know most chameleons are not like that Mm -hmm. they are not like especially Jackson's they're they're not as social you know like always always (laughs) wanted to be out it was hilarious and um for a while I wanted to take him home but you know what I was really happy when we were able to give him to the home that we did and every once in a while they come in and they're like hey Tito's doing good and they'd like show me pictures and stuff and it was a really cool you know it was a really good feeling to know that he went to a good home that's so good I'm so, so. glad I was like was worried about because like it, it's so hard to sell a chameleon for all the reasons that we just talked about. So it's so <laughs> nice to hear that he went to a good home. Oh yeah, and especially somebody who was already knowledgeable on them. You know, it wasn't like the first time they've had chameleons, um, so they were a little bit more experienced. Um, and in all honesty, I wouldn't really recommend selling a chameleon or getting a chameleon unless you've had reptiles to begin yeah. with specifically yeah. because they're very sensitive you know um but it was it was a really cool thing to see that he went to the family that he did mm-hmm. that's one of the most, hmm? oh sorry go ahead oh i was gonna say that's one of the most rewarding things about selling animals is seeing them go to good families oh absolutely it really is. <laughs> Maddie, did you want to ask any questions off the list? Um, I know you wrote a few. Yeah, I wrote. Uh, <laughs> I always write a lot. Um, what is your favorite type of decor for your like your fish tanks? Do you like blackwater fish tanks? Do you like naturalistic? Do you like the more exotic, like brightly colored ones? Um, so personally, I like the more natural. Um, and I like to do live plants. Um, <laughs> live plants, you don't really have to clean them, you know, you leave them in there, they do their own thing. Um, not only that, they provide, um, a lot of benefits to your tank. Um, they provide a natural filtration system, um, um, beautiful, beautiful colors. You know, they come in all sorts of crazy colors, which is so cool. You know what I mean? Um, and, um, the fish, honestly, I've found prefer live plants to the fake plants. Like if you put one side of them that has live plants and the other side that has fake plants, nine times out of 10, they're going to be on the side with the live plants, Um, which um, I always find funny. (laughs) Yeah. But it honestly kind of um, depends on the fish too, you know, Um, some fish um, it's, it's a little bit easier or more beneficial to have fake plants than live plants, um, particularly like goldfish. Mm Mm-hmm. 
excuse me, goldfish, it is very hard to keep live plants in there because they will end up eating them. <laughs> yeah, that's what Every I've heard. Time, um, they will eat them. Um, you know, it's, um, um, or, or um, some bigger fish like cichlids, cichlid tanks, same thing. They tend to eat the plants um, or they'll actually dig them up. If oh, they really? can. Uh-huh. Wow. It's really funny. And I was talking to, um, to Preston one time and I was like, he was showing me one of his old like cichlid tanks. And, and I was like, well, why don't you have live plants in there? Um, and he's like, well, it's actually a funny story. They keep digging them up. (laughs) 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 That's so funny. Like, it's just funny how different species have their own like unique things, you know? And, Mm -hmm. um, and again, like it, like I said, it kind of depends on, um, the fish, but it also depends on like the owner's style. You know, some people like more of the fake plants, um, because they tend to be a little bit easier, uh, maintenance sometimes, you know, um, especially with like beginner hobbyists, um, people who are just starting to get into it. Usually I recommend, um, fake plants for starting off. Um, unless it is, um, like an easier live plant, you know, um, and specifically for the reason that some of the live plants that you do can be a little bit more difficult and, um, can, um, be sensitive to like the water quality, you know, and as a beginner, you don't really know about water quality. You know, you don't really understand necessarily the nitrogen cycle that's happening within the tank or um, how to keep like the um, NO2 and NO3 low, Um, same with like the ammonia and stuff. So it can be a little bit of a difficult process for starting out. Um, Mm -hmm. But once they get a little bit of experience under their belt, it's a little bit easier with the live plants and actually helps with the the weekly um, or sometimes monthly maintenance that um, happens within a tank. Excuse me. You're all good. (laughs) Personally, though, I like the more natural look. Um, um, And right now my tank's pretty clear, but usually it has a little bit darker water because I like to put the, um, the, what's it called, leaves in there. for um, The kappa leaves. There we go. I like to do the kappa leaves um, because it provides like those natural tannins in the water. Um, that are good for the fish and it also um, gives the snail that I have in there um, something to munch on um, mm-hmm. and it helps strengthen their shells. Oh um, really? Now, uh-huh, yeah kappa leaves um, are actually really good and they um, they help um, like anything that has like snails crabs stuff like that it helps um, help strengthen their shells their outer shells um, which is pretty cool. Um, but now with that though, the water does turn brown, mm-hmm. it turns darker. Um, and it's the same with adding like, uh, Mophi wood to the water. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll turn the water brown, but that's actually been most of the time beneficial for your fish. Yeah. Um, kind of depending on what fish you have. So. Awesome. And then for stocking tanks, what do you normally do when you're planning to stock a tank? Like, let's say you have like a 40 gallon tank, how would you stock it? Um, well, first, um, you want to kind of 
figure out what fish, um, you know, you want before you get any tank, right? So if you have a particular fish in mind, um, <laughs> you want to do a little bit of research before you get the tank and do the, um, try and do a setup for it. Um, if I had a big 40 gallon tank, I would honestly probably, um, hmm, depending on the fish, a good rule of thumb with fish, one inch of fish, one gallon of water. Right. Uh-huh, that's what I say. Any more than that, you kind of start overstocking and create more maintenance for yourself. Um, not only that, it can lead to um, fishes fighting for territory and dominance mm. within the tank that can lead to um, deaths within your fish tank. Um, now, when beginning to stock a tank, um, start with only a few fish, right? So say I wanted to do um, uh, a bunch of glowfish, right? Those beautiful tetras that we have in there. Mm-hmm. Um what I would do is only probably start off with like five fish, right? Um, and the reason being because um, if you just go ahead and put a lot of fish, right? Um, and they can get usually about two to three inches, those guys can. So say I did um, thir- or 10 fish in there, right? I just got um, 10, 15 fish, put them directly into there what you do is you go from extremely clean tank, right. To, um, a tank that is now starting to have all of these fish. Um, and it, it's, um, they're, you know, doing their business in there, which is creating a lot of debris and, um, filth within the tank. So the tank gets very dirty, very fast, and it can kind of um, actually hurt your tank more than help your tank. And it can send your fish into shock. Um, because it goes from super clean to super dirty in a short span, right? Um, not only that, like to kickstart the nitrogen cycle and really get it going in your tank, you only really want to start out with um, a, a small number of fish. Um, and it's less likely of a chance that your tank can go into um, new tank syndrome. You know, um, there's less likely of a chance that um, bacteria or parasitic um, infections will break out within your tank. Um, Excuse me. Um, And at the beginning, it's always good to kind of get your foot in the door. You know what I mean? And start off small and work your way up. Mm -hmm. I totally Um, agree. Um, but yes, and I, um, like I said, talk to people, you know, um, kind of get a, get a feel for the fish that you want to kind of stock into your tank. Um, and again, like some people will literally just get one big fish and put it in there, you know, cause sometimes some fish are more, way more territorial than others. Um, and I, I, I was actually talking with Preston and that was like with one of his big 125 gallon tanks, he had, um, um, like two Oscars in there and a big, um, alligator gar. Right. Mm-hmm. And that alligator gar, if you put anything smaller than a certain size in there, he'd eat it. Oh, right. No. So, so restocking or, um, trying to add fish to the tank is difficult, right? Because, of the size limitations from the alligator gar. Mm-hmm. 
right? Um, so, it, and not only that, it gives you a feeling for the temperament of your fish, right? So, especially beginners, um, it's always good to kind of, like I said, start off small, kind of gauge the temperament of your of the fish, um, like a general um, temperament, you know, within the tank, and then go ahead and try and add um, from there. <clears throat> Excuse me. I um, don't mean to interrupt, but we have about oh, five good. minutes left on the podcast. I, mm-hmm. If you want to keep going, I can split this up into a second part. Um, I would just keep running, but uh, there's a file size limitation, so I can't upload a certain <laughs> file No, no, all good. <laughs> but if you, you all are down for a part two, I can keep doing that. Yeah, I'm, I'm more than happy to do a part two. Yeah, All right. I could do a part two. Okay, so uh, about five minutes, I'll uh, stop the recording and we'll do another one. Awesome. Sounds Dope. good to me. Heck yeah. <laughs> or I can actually, you know what? Why don't we just end it now? And we'll go ahead and just start part two because we're already, we're just five minutes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, uh, sounds good. This is the end of uh, episode part one. three, part one. So uh, we'll see you all in the next episode. <laughs>